Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin Show. Episode 33 coming at you from the Mean Your True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Eric the Biggie. Joining me in person, as always, Ramsey Thompson. How you What's doing, What's going on, guys? And not joining us this week, due to other commitments, can't be mad about that. No. Is, uh, Justin Dahl will not be a part of this episode in person, like on the mic, so I, we, we got some content from him, though. Yeah, I mean, I miss Justin. I do, too. I, it's been, I mean, we talked to him last week after the, for the Bucks special episode. Yeah. But it's really been like two full episodes since we talked to him. I know. For, you know, normally shit on him, but today I, I, I kind of miss him being around. I miss you, Justin. So when you're listening to this tomorrow, and we're just knowing we're thinking about you, you're in our hearts. Well, Eric's not. I'm a heartless bastard. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. 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 Let's not get too carried away. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, got a jam-packed episode for you today. Lots of stuff to talk about. We've got to talk about some Packers news that broke today. What? Really? We've got to probably tie up a couple of loose ends in the Bucks. Yep. Um, as far as I saw, not a whole lot on the Badgers. I haven't seen any Badgers, pretty much anything. This is why I miss Justin. You know, like the only Badger news I saw today was that they're going to do like a stripe out game September 4th, which is cool. But yeah, kind of. So this is, this is why we need Justin. This, this show needs Justin. He's our Badger guy. He really is. And then we're going to do some Heavy Brewers episode here. We've got Matt Polly with WTMJ joining us a little bit later in the episode. Can't wait to talk trade deadline. We're actually going to adventure a little bit of college sports too with him. So be ready for that. That'll come more towards the end of the episode. We've got a lot to talk about. First, we're going to start off with this awesome contest. We'll be concluding Thursday, I think. Was it the 28th, 29th? Yeah, that comes out about right. So when Packers training camp hits, we have a jersey to give away. So already, anyone who's listened, you know, who's shared our Facebook post, who's liked our Facebook post, thank you. Yeah. No, you um, guys are awesome. It's uh Anybody just, who's listened to us for 33 episodes, or 36 episodes, if you really think about it. but Yeah, and I mean, it's something that, you know, even if we would have said that we would have made it 33 episodes plus some specials, like, I would be, not shocked, but yeah, it's made it this long. So thank you guys for Continuing to listen, support. continuing to interact on the Facebook page, on Twitter, you name it, they've done it. Um, so genuinely thank you. So we have a, a appreciation gift for you guys. One lucky fan will receive a David Bakhtiari signed jersey. Courtesy of uh, Riverwood Gallery. So thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Julie, uh, for helping grow our show. I, our show did grow actually quite a bit during this, yeah. this time frame. So uh, doesn't can't do this without you guys either. So once again, thanks for that. Our partners over at Monkey Knife Fight play along with the contest. I've been playing some of the Olympics contests. and uh, How's that going? Not great. We'll get to that in a couple minutes, though. We'll get to that. And our partners over at Raise Energy, new flavor came out on Friday called Rainbow. I was about to say, like the Skittles flavor, right? Skittles flavor, yeah. And it is going like hotcakes. So check that out, repsports.com. We had another order come through today. Awesome stuff. You know, so thank you for those of you jumping on our code. 15% off when you go to repsports.com. Code root4, R-O-O-T, number four. For 15% off every order, not just your first order, every order. Yeah, I'm going to order something right now. I'm, I'm about right to, now. honestly. I haven't, I've been out of Rays for And who brought me week. some Rays? Who's that? Shauna brought me some Rays. That's big energy right there. A big, big Rays energy, big Rays rebellion. Yeah. So she brought me the ones that I love. They're just a nice surprise gift. I came home from work Friday. Long day. I worked till like 11 p.m. 
She cleaned the entire studio, the entire apartment, too. Fridge full of rays. That girl, man. Great stuff. Shawn's the best. She is the best. So, that said, we got through our main business here. And with that, we start off with what we had rooted for. This is sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics, hashtag love on. Show your love for your team. I'm getting my bucks here soon. Within like a week. Mine should be here shortly. I got a sick polo. I got the Bucks and Six championship t-shirt and the locker room hat. I'm so excited. I've been wearing Fanatics gear like the last like two and a half days just straight. I had a Brewers t-shirt on. I had a Bucks t-shirt on. I'm going to have more Bucks stuff coming in. All from Fanatics. All from Fanatics. And if you guys haven't been on their website to check out some of the Bucks stuff, there's like, what, like eight pages of it. It's insane. There's so many things out there. I mean, I know that they've had like, for people shopping locally here in Green Bay, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods has really been kind of the home for all the Bucks gear. And go to Fanatics. There's yeah, so much more selection. They're gonna have your sizes because they don't. They only have so many at at Dicks anyway. I believe it is also free shipping over fifteen dollars or something like that. It's not. It's yeah. No. You'll you'll hit the free shipping. You'll hit the free shipping easily. Yeah. You, They've always got some kind of deal going on. So check out Fanatics. Love on. With that, we start off with what we had rooted for. Ramsey, what did you root for this last week? You no, know, man. I, I don't think I watched any sports over really? the last. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. There was nothing going on this weekend. NASCAR is NASCAR kind of my weekend favorite, off. and the NBA just ended. So the two things that I really pay attention to this time of year, done. not on. It was Do you know weird. what would have been a good weekend for, Ramsey? What's that? To get you in, immersed in some baseball. It would have been. It would have been great. I was still kind of feeling under the weather, though. So I, I saw you guys at the – because I think Josh and Megan went to Josh the game. Josh and Megan went to the Tim Brother game. We went. Um, scary note, but it ended up having a good uh, outcome. Some kid who was sitting probably like two sections over took a foul ball off the dome. Keep your head on a swivel, boy. And, and I, he's okay. I want to make that very clear first before I joke about this because I'm not going to hell over this. Keep your head on a swivel. A kid probably old enough because he had his glove up. He was trying to catch it. Oh, just, <laughs> he was probably like 9, 10 years old. Took it right off the dome. Had little Tweety Birds floating around like in Space Jam. Had little Tweety Birds floating around. They're just down. And it was scary. I, I openly, like, I was very concerned. What a dork. How do you miss a foul ball? I don't know, man. But it, it was very scary for a little while. And then he got up. They, they, they got him out of there. Didn't have to, like, ambulance or anything like that. So all's well that ends well. Got to keep your head on a swivel, though, especially when you're in foul ball territory. Yeah. That's, that was my kind of takeaway. And it, was like, it wasn't even, like, a close game. Like, it was 8-2. to two. He was, like I said, just the glove was up. It just went the wrong side. Wrong. It happens. Wrong though. way, man. Um, so, yeah. So, baseball would have been a great weekend. The Brewers were playing the White Sox this weekend. Champ, or battle of the, the first place lost, team. They lost, right? They won two out of three. They lost the game on Sunday, correct? That's correct. Look at that. Look at me paying attention to what, what's going on in baseball because there's nothing else on I'm right so now. proud of you. Real character growth here, buddy. I know. I'm gonna, I downloaded MLB The Show. Are you kidding me? I did download it, yeah. Oh, my God. I figured I should probably get a little more familiar with players, and that's probably the best way to do it. That is actually a great way to do it. You play like Diamond Dynasty mode, yeah, kind of like Ultimate Team. And just kind of get to know some of the yeah. players in there. the... I really like Timberlander's gear, so I just need like a... We're going to take you to a game. This weekend was not the to, game uh, to go. I need an end of the Tim Rattler's gear. But we will Sweet get March you there. They have, are they in Fanatics? I believe they have some stuff there. Nice. See? Go to Fanatics. 300-plus so, powered stores. Yep. Um, with that, I guess I'm going to say what I had rooted for. I did root for some some baseball this weekend. I took in a Tim Rattler's game for my buddy Aaron's birthday. 
watched a lot of Brewers baseball. Just a good overall weekend to kind of sit back, recharge the batteries. Especially coming off that NBA run. The NBA playoffs are a slog sometimes. Oh, my goodness. And I love the NBA, but those playoffs. You've got playoffs that are like two months long. And like I said, I'm a fairly decent basketball fan. Like, I watched games every night. Mm-hmm. They were on. I was watching. And, man. You know yeah, what you could have was... watched? You're a basketball guy. You could have watched the basketball tournament. Have you watched any of that? That's the. The former college players who aren't really playing in the NBA. And they're. That's some good stuff. They're actually playing for, like, real money, too, yeah, right? like, big money. Check out the basketball tournaments on ESPN all the time. That was a big thing last summer in, in the COVID. Oh, yeah? Look up COVID ban, because they did, like, a bubble, two Big-time basketball tournament, so that's really cool. Um, they've got, like, games all day, too. So if you're a basketball fan, check that out. So with the positives come the negatives. Tire Hero Nugget of the Week. And first of all, our namesake of the award, reconfirmed as a douchebag. Uh, did you see that I, thing I sent? I did, and I never doubted it once. No. Never, not one time. So there's a thing going around Facebook. So I want to say this is all alleged. Cannot actually confirm. But there's a thing going around Facebook on a group called Bucks Nation. It's been shared, like, relentlessly. It says, quote, my fellow Bucks fans, let me tell you a story. My nephew is autistic, and one of his safe spaces is basketball. He loves the game and the players. He was in the Whitnall feeder program when Tyler Hero was at Whitnall. High school down by Milwaukee. One day, he approached Tyler in the gym, and Tyler basically blew him off. Before, Tyler was anything but a prospect. Several weeks later, he was at a pick-and-stay for a Giannis signing. Giannis was a first-round pick and a pro. Rather than blowing off my nephew, as Tyler Hero did, he spent 10 minutes after signing a jersey talking basketball and life with him. He didn't have to. He wanted to. That is who Giannis is and and also who Tyler Hero is, sadly. Be proud of our leader. He isn't just the best in the world on the court. He is what you want. More importantly, off the court. If any of you have access, please let Giannis know that he changed a young man's life forever and an old uncle's too. So, first of all, Giannis has been just incredible for the city of Milwaukee. It's been so showcased in the last week how much he like loves this city. Got Culver's down in Milwaukee offering him free Culver's for life. Just really a, a 12-year-old that just loves life as mm-hmm. a man dominating the NBA. Like... Just a kind of a cool thing to see that's going on, yeah. Just in the city of Milwaukee and how people just wrap their arms around this guy for, yeah, absolutely. So, so first of all, confer- reconfirming Tower Heroes a douchebag. That was number one. Uh, number two, I had this week is, and we'll talk about this a little bit further in detail. But I'm kind of going to go after Packers fans a little bit today. And today it was announced, and like I said, we'll talk about this more in depth in a few moments here that Aaron Rodgers is for sure coming back for 2021. We know this for a fact now. There's a contract in play and a bunch of stipulations there. Like I said, we'll get to that in a little bit. With that said, I have seen so many people turn face on all the comments they were making over the last three months about, oh, Aaron Rodgers is the worst. Aaron Rodgers is a drama queen, blah, 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 and are like over the moon happy he's coming back. So what I'm going to say is if Aaron Rodgers puts up MVP numbers this year, if Aaron Rodgers takes them to a Super Bowl, wins a Super Bowl, whatever, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to eat a lot of crow. And also, I do want to say, just on top of the situation, Adam Schefter is still a tool. I'm kind of getting put to a point of trusting him more. Like I said, we'll get to that, the actual details of everything kind of happening here because it's been kind of reconfirmed. But also, just the fact of how this whole saga kind of played out, 
I said we were talking about a pre-show. I don't think it was actually ended up being that big of a deal as he tried to make it. Coming down to even last week, him him tweeting out breaking news, quote unquote, of the fact that Aaron Rodgers turned down like a ninety million dollar extension. Oh, it's not about the money. That's what that's what he tweeted. It's like no kid. That's we've all known this. No, it's not about the money for. It was about having control of the situation of his contract, wanting to play his contract out, which, from the looks of it, will happen. And we'll, like I said, we'll get to that further in the episode. So those are my two main nuggies of the week, and Ramsey and I kind of have a shared one here. So, Ramsey, floor is yours. I'm going to say the USA basketball. Yes. However, I will lead off by saying this. It's also USA basketball fans. Yes. The USA for the Olympics has not sent their best players the last three, I believe, 2012 was the last time we sent a like dream team caliber team. 2012 was the dream team. 2016 was a very good, still dominant team. But Kobe didn't go. LeBron didn't go. Right. So we are not – America right now is not sending the best players. Right. However, the gap to America versus the rest of the world isn't near as far as it used to be. Which is good for the state of basketball as a whole. Yeah, no, this is not a bad thing. And the fact that U.S. isn't probably going to run gold this year in the Olympics isn't a big deal. So don't make it into that. Mm -hmm. Because if you even think of the NBA right now, five of the top ten players, arguably five of the top ten, aren't from America. Right. Giannis, Luka, Djokovic, Embiid, and I'm missing one. I'm struggling, but... Regardless, so four, four of the top ten. 40%. 40%. They're not from America. So the fact that people, granted, they should never, America shouldn't ever lose at basketball. I mean, we invented the game. So, like, we shouldn't really lose, and we're sending an entire NBA team who's also sitting around grumbling about Greg Popovich, too. I get that you don't like playing for Greg Popovich, but he's not going to baby you either. So if you didn't want to play for him, stay home. Yeah, and you said it yourself. I mean, so this team... Is compiled of, and granted, like you said, there's not as big of a gap as there was. That's it. There still should be a very sizable gap, and you're still sending over Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, who played. Kevin Durant played terrible against yeah. France the other night. And you got all these guys moaning and groaning about wanting to run set plays. That's what you have to do in international basketball. It's not the NBA. Well, and people, like, yeah, it's not the NBA. First off, it's not officiated the same way. The rules are different. The court's different size. The lane is different. The three-point line is shorter. I mean, we're not, yeah, it's, this isn't the NBA where you're going to get every single call. Mm-hmm. International basketball, they tend to call fouls on star players. NBA that doesn't necessarily happen because they're worried about backlash from fans. And I don't necessarily agree with how it's ref personally, but this isn't what you guys were playing. This is a completely different game. Mm-hmm. And they've won, what, one of the last four? Yeah, it's been not good. And I don't, I don't think they get eliminated this round because they have to beat Iran and another country that is not up to par. Mm-hmm. So they should be able to win the next two games they play. Right. But they just they didn't look good either. I mean, they no. Let, it's sloppy. It's it's unenthused. I mean, Damian Lillard said it, and this is actually one of my biggest criticisms of of this team right now. 
Damian Lillard talking about like Nicholas Batum saying, yeah, you know, you see it just a different level of these international guys playing for their country. Bro, you should too. Yeah. I mean, you're not playing for the finals, which whatever, that's whatever, but you're playing for the, you know, you're not just playing for a free vacation, which you're not really, really even getting anyway because you can't do anything in Japan right now because of COVID and it's stuff all like locked that. Down, yeah. Play the game. Do do what you got to do. Like, that's what you're there for. Represent your country. Represent. Like I said, it's just such a different type of basketball. But also at the same time, it's it's fundamental basketball. It's, I mean, I remember 2016 where Australia with Matthew Delvadova, Patty Mills, and Andrew Bogut just running pick and roll left and yeah. right and just being a sensational team. I don't think they even ended up meddling, but they're probably one of the more fun teams to watch. But all they did was run pick and roll. I think they finished fourth, actually. They might have. I'd believe... have to look that up, but... So, but going back, hitting on that point again, it's kind of one of those things, too, of the decline of the big man coming from America. Yeah. That's kind of the issue that the U.S. has a hole in the middle of their roster right now where Draymond Green is kind of your starting big right now. Right. And Draymond Green is three years past his prime. And you have people like Anthony Davis who can't stay in shape and is probably just hanging out in L.A. right now. I just, like, personally, I just could not imagine being healthy and not going. Right. So I'm, I guess, kind of calling you guys out, too, of where are you at? Like, if I think winning a gold medal isn't on the same as an NBA championship, but it's the next tier right below it. Australia was fourth place, by the way. See that? Look, look at Rams. And it was an 89-88 game over Spain. Yeah, and it was a close game. And Spain is traditionally one of the best international powers too. Right. Like Spain Spain is not a Spain took home third bronze in 2016 and then in both 2012 and 2008 took home silver. And lost to the United States who sent some of the best basketball teams of all time. Very good. That dream team the 2012 team, they only lost 107 to 100. I remember watching that game. And the one 2008 was close too. I think it was 10 points. Uh 118-107. Look at that. Ramsey over here just dropping knowledge on everyone. So I guess, yeah, I guess long story short, my nugget of the week is USA basketball. You guys need to be better, and especially with it looks bad because you're supposed to be better. Oh, yeah. And like I said, you're complaining about running set plays in international basketball. Can you imagine thinking you know better than Greg Popovich? No. Like, can you imagine like being that arrogant like some of these guys are, saying like, you know what, Greg Popovich, you only won five rings. I don't think you know what you're talking about. Steve Kerr's there. The only coach that they really didn't get and that they had a couple of years back was Coach K. Yeah. And that's not much of a difference. I mean, no, Coach you K. have two of the greatest basketball minds to ever do it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sit here and, and question Greg Popovich? That ain't it, bud. Who, in my opinion, is the best coach of all time. I think he's the greatest basketball coach of all time. Like I said, I, I would debate Coach K versus him. but And you could... There's a lot of people who would probably throw in John Wooden, but yeah, those he, three are kind of your holy grail, Mount Rushmore, and then find another one, you know? Yeah, John Wooden was. Different episode, Ramsey, different episode. So we take a look around the trip of the state of Wisconsin. Um, first, like I said, lots of Packer stuff. Training camp opening this week. One, Aaron Rodgers will be in participating. Devontae Adams sounds like he's going to be there. Devontae Adams was never not going to be there. That's... So, kind of the storylines, a lot of this happened since we last recorded. So, going into the weekend, on Saturday, I think the news broke of Devontae Adams was calling off 
um, contract talks. Mm -hmm. And then everyone lost their mind about Zadarius Smith tweeting he needs a realtor, which ended up being he wants to buy a house. Like, he doesn't want to rent anymore. He wants to actually find a house. Because he just re-signed a contract this offseason. Like an extension, technically. So that, that kind of baffled me that everyone was that quick to forget about that. But regardless. So that's Saturday. Sunday kind of comes around and, you know, we're pretty mundane. A lot of just doom and gloom. Amari Rogers actually signed his deal over the weekend, too. So everyone... That was Saturday, correct? I believe that was also Saturday. So it was kind of just fun that... A. Rogers signed a contract. A. Dot Rogers signed a contract this weekend. And then towards noon today, Monday, we find out Aaron Rodgers is intending, this came from Ian Rappaport and Tom Palacero, it started with Aaron Rodgers intending to play with the Green Bay Packers this season to Aaron Rodgers has a deal basically in place with the Packers to restructure the contract. And that contract ends up being, reportedly, because we don't know the specifics yet, but reportedly, this year's money is all staying put, but it's being dispersed differently so there's more cap room. Next year, after this season, they're going to review the contract like they always do, by the way. This is one big thing I want to touch on, because everyone's reporting that a trade, if Aaron Rodgers is still unhappy, a trade could be likely, which, again, was likely to happen anyway. So this isn't really breaking news. One thing I'd also to say about that when we're talking about contracts and the way NFL contracts work, every NFL contract essentially is a three-year deal. Right. So, yes, like Patrick Mahomes has, what they say, 10? 10 for Five hundred thousand. Right. That's one of the ones that's not, but pretty much every other contract is it's a two or three year deal. Is about extra money and extra incentives tossed around. So if it's a five year deal, usually those last two years in the deal are either all incentive based or all bonus based. Right. That's not actually contract money. Right. So, Which is how his previous deal was set up. And that's how the NFL structures stuff. So if players get old and or hurt they don't have to hold in the tab on a player that's not actually playing. Right. So you so that's how NFL contracts work. So, so anytime you see a deal, all you want to pay attention to is guaranteed money and guaranteed money and don't pay attention to the years. It's always usually two or three. Right. So with that said, like I said, that was basically kind of in place already. And then really the only real change is that the 2023 year has been voided, which would be year five of the extension, which would put him at his age 40 season. His 39 going into 40. Which isn't a bad thing. No, I'm going to go on a bold take here. I don't know if we ever see Aaron Rodgers in a different uniform. Depending on how this season goes, I would not be surprised if he hung it up. I think at this point, it's if he gets a Super Bowl, it's done. Yeah, we, and we discussed this, what, two, last week, two I weeks ago? I think so. I think Super Bowl is done, and I think if it ends in a mess, it's done. Yeah. Like I said, I wouldn't, outside of another MVP-type season, which I'm not ruling out, if another MVP season that doesn't end in a Super Bowl championship, I still think it's just kind of done. And if he comes back, I mean, like I said, it's like a mutual, it's kind of like one of those mutual options you see like in baseball and basketball contracts. You don't really see it in NFL contracts, but there's yeah. like a mutual option 
where the team's going to, like I said, they're going to sit down. They do this every year. Aaron said that on Pat McAfee's show at his end of the year, kind of mm-hmm. sayonara with Pat and the boys. But they review the situation every year. So that's not breaking news either. I want to make that very clear that that's something that happens every year. Odds are this is kind of the last run. We'll see what happens. Balls to the wall. Gas pedal down. But it could be back next year. Or, like I said, if he's... What you might see is you could see a trade for that last year of the deal. I don't think you do, personally speaking. Even at this point, we were talking about this on Friday at work, and people were like, oh, you can trade Aaron. I'm like, you can, but you can't. There's only so many teams that are going to be willing to pay a quarterback that much 30 money. plus million for potentially a one and one, probably a one year plus an initial, maybe a one year deal. And there's with how college quarterbacks are now, college quarterbacks are coming out at it's like a 60 to 70 percent hit right now mm-hmm. on drafting a college quarterback in the first round. Like Mitch Trubisky was a miss, but Mahomes and Watson both hit, right. So, and that's how it's been pretty much every single draft. You have two or three guys that are hitting, one guy usually misses. So there's, the quarterback market isn't what it was three years ago where everyone needed one. Right. Now it's more of just a... You need one, but you need a cheap one. If you're a Super Bowl contender, you need a cheap one. Or if the quarterbacks want to take a pay cut, like Tom Brady kind of did. But 30... Basically, a player making over 30% of your cap has not won a Super Bowl in the last 15 years or something like that. It's been forever since right. a, the highest paid quarterback has won a Super Bowl because it takes up so much money of your cap that you can't put people around him. Yeah, like I said, I would not be surprised if you don't see if you, if you don't see Aaron Rodgers in another jersey. And even how messy it's been this offseason, I won't be surprised. If you do see him, like I said, it might be one year. And I like Aaron Rodgers. He's a, you know, I'm rooting for the best of him either here in Green Bay, whatever. I don't really, you know, I want him to be here. But if that's what it comes down to after this season, he's still disgruntled and team, you know, they come to a mutual understanding. It's just not going to get fixed after a year. Fine. Clearly, we saw he wanted to stay here, which is what I've been saying all along. The office wanted him here. They just wanted to have the contract be different. And they came to an agreement today. We've often heard Aaron Rodgers say this is his last contract. Obviously, you know, that's been kind of revisited every year as he gets older and keeps playing pretty good. Like I said, I'm not going to be surprised. That's kind of my bold claim is I don't know if you ever see him in a different uniform. And then I'm going to stick with that. I think I'd have to agree with that. That's, that sounds right to me. Like, I, the, how they turned out. Mm-hmm. It would, I would be surprised if he's not back next year as well. Right. Because they put that language in that deal for a reason. And I'm going to guess it's that Aaron wants to come back and finish out. Well, and that's kind of what has been this whole, this whole issue was that he just wants kind of that, that promise, that guarantee. Yeah. He wants to play out his contract, which I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. So, you know, if you, if you say, Hey, we're going to come to the table again next year, I think you've got to do a lot of things here this off season or this season kind of going forward as the season goes out where he's got to be in some different meetings that he wasn't previously to show that there's a little bit of a culture change if you want him to stay around. I just, 
I I can't believe just how poorly the situation was handled the entire way through. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little bit of a disagreement for that, and here's why. Like I said earlier, I don't think it was the frenzy that the media made it out to be. Because I think the media made it seem like it was all happening in real time. When in reality, as we knew, kind of, it had built and built and built. And it took Adam Schefter, what, like a month to even admit that it was a building situation. And then even, you know, we talked about last week where we had that exclusive report, which still no one's picked up on, which is... I, like I said, the turning point of all this was right when we reported it in June. It was like June third, right? June fifth. Fifth. June fifth was the tweet. But anyway, so this kind of became the turning point was June fifth, which lines up with what we had reported. And either way, you kind of saw. I mean, both sides kept their hands really close to the vest. I mean, the it doesn't help when you had what was it Mark Murphy going out there and saying, yeah, he's what was it? what was the exact phrase he used? But you know what I'm talking about. Where it's just when Mark Murphy talks, I don't listen because he's a fucking moron. But either way, I mean, there was a there was one point where like it was just the Packers front office didn't hit up the greatest. But like I said, I think it was like one of those slow burn, slow builds that got better throughout the off season than it started. And that's the part that you're not going to hear. See, I I have heard before. I think it was Eric Mangini who said. Be the head coach of the Jets, right? And he would he said before on record that the amount of stuff that the media and outside people from the organization don't hear would shock you, right? So if something gets out, I think it's a big deal. So I think this Packers deal was, I think they covered their ass, right? I think there was stuff that was going on behind closed doors. That we obviously weren't a part of, right? That and the Packers, basically, what they did was just say we're not budging on this until today, where they compromised. And I don't know. I just think the Packers, as an organization, front office wise, is just poorly ran. And I think I've said that before. We don't need to get into that. But I just think, as an organization, I think they've been fortunate that they've had a player like Aaron Rodgers around mm-hmm. that has covered up a lot of their mistakes. Right. And it's pretty easy to keep everything rolling the way it's supposed to when you have kind of the fix all as your face your franchise. Well, and like we've said before, winning covers a lot of warts. And that's what's happened. And because I don't, I, I can honestly say, I don't think the Packers have necessarily had the best roster the last two years, but they've won 26 games. Right. So I think that there's been some. People that have stepped up, I'll play contracts. And I don't necessarily think that, I mean, it's, it's just hard to, the front office has a hard job. I just don't think they do it well. Right. And I, I would stay by that. And I'm going to stand by that forever until Mark Murphy's gone because he's a piece of garbage. Hey, all for it. So that's kind of the newest in the Packers. But after this happens, now, you know, Aaron Rodgers signs that deal today. The Devontae situation gets a little bit brighter where he's willing to restart negotiating, which to me, as we talked about, you know, we find out that Aaron's moving some of that cap money around, which admittedly probably should have happened back in April, but whatever. So move some of that cap money around, and now maybe Devontae, which, again, I think this was another one of those media frenzy moments where 
everything, you know, the sky is falling, everything's bad in Green Bay, everyone wanted to have their story, their hot take. When in reality, it just was, if you kind of, st- sports fans, and I get why, because you, you, we have a 24-hour news cycle, and you have to be reactionary, you have to miss your hot take, I get that. But at the same time, if you kind of step back for just a second and recognize, okay, he doesn't, he's not disgruntled per se, he's waiting for the market to see what that market's going to be this offseason or throughout this season when you start seeing extensions. This is not shocking news. You got to see what the salary cap's looking like. You're going to see what cap's available before you sign your deal. Nothing shocking there. I don't think that's a hot take either. How it was presented, though, was that he ended contract negotiations. No, that's how it's presented. And that's what it was, though, too. It was that they stopped having conversations about the contract. Now, it, it come to find out, right, like, looking back, it makes sense when Aaron's going to restructure stuff. But I'm not necessarily sold, though, that we've talked about software, too, that it wasn't kind of like a hoots thing with Aaron and Devontae to get Devontae paid. Oh, I don't doubt that one bit. Like I said, you know, you see Aaron goes, redoes his deal a little bit, opens up some more cap room, opens an out possibly for the team to have more cap room next year, and there's Devontae Adams, which even, you know, if Green Bay and Aaron decide to cut bait, maybe Aaron still retires, and you see what's happening there too, well, then you have a lot less dead money, a bigger cap, and a wide receiver with a first-round quarterback. So just as we're sitting here talking, the idea came, right? Mm-hmm. Could it be that Aaron wanted to avoid that last year to maybe come back for that final year and just restructure and take a massive pay cut? It's possible. Like do a Tom Brady come back for seventeen million dollars? It's definitely within reason. Like is that, or even next year to avoid the contract and then resign it? I mean, is that because that's how they restructured it, right? They restructured and pulled that money forward, right? Or not forward? They just moved the money around to make it look different, right? But he could get out next year for minimal cap hit. Right. So would that be a restructure year potentially again? It's potential. I don't think there's anything there that says otherwise. I mean, everyone's so focused on him leaving because that's what is kind of being jammed down our throats. But I, I didn't even think of that as an option. But that's definitely a possibility if you look at how the money sits and, and where everything could be and, you know, just the way you kind of have to structure a team like Tampa Bay did. You've it- kind of got to have that out a little bit. And, you know, set up that new contract. Because you can restructure a deal all you want, but there's still a lot of money that you have to have on the table. Right. So I wonder if they pull how they move that money if they're not just saying, hey, in case we need to, we can resign you, but we can get you at a cheaper rate. Well, and that's exactly I mean, you talk about how if he's that unhappy with the front office and he wants to say in things, maybe that's, hey, sign my deal for less. I'll take less money. Let's go get this guy, that guy, that guy. Right. It's definitely a possibility. I'm not going to say it's without. It's not unreasonable by any means. We know he loves Green Bay. This is not an issue against the city of Green Bay. Loves Packer fans, even though they don't love him right now. Again, whatever. But I not a conspiracy theory by any means. I like that. I'm gonna, I'm, I might steal that. Do I'm to use that. I want you to. Thanks, buddy. So things looking back up. Sportsbooks posted the the new Packer winnings. Green Bay jumped like almost doubled. From Super Bowl odds, they were coming in today to win a Super Bowl. They were plus 2,800, so plus 2,800. It got that far? So plus 1,400 now. I saw it at plus 1,600. I thought that was high. Yeah. Their win total moved, too. Their win yeah. total went down to 
nine and a half, eight and a half, nine, depending. You can find it somewhere between eight and a half, nine and a half. Right. Did it go back? Did that go back? I didn't. Two? I didn't see that, but I wouldn't. Obviously, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it was at eleven. Yeah, so a lot of sports books even pulled it because so many people are saying like, oh, ten and a half, nine. Air, you know, smart. If I would have, if we would have had betting in Wisconsin, I would have bet the house yeah. on plus nine. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. So things are looking up in Green Bay. As actually, we can kind of talk about Ramsey's radar. Great job, buddy. Great job. You said the Bucks would win, which it wasn't it. as convincing as you had predicted. So I'll give you a C on that. And then I'll give you an A for Packers news. You predicted within the week we'd have Packer, really good Packers news for Packer fans. You get an A on that. So we'll, we got a couple other things to talk about here before we get to Matt, before we get to Ramsey's radar. So I really wish Justin was here for this conversation. But some pretty big stuff, not Badger-related per se yet, but pretty big news in the world of college sports. That being that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the Big 12 by 2025. It sounds like next year is what the early... It could be a buyout. Um, some of the stuff that came out today was that they might have to wait because of media contracts till 2025. I mean, they're going to have to pay a bunch of money, which Texas has no problem spending money. And I'm going to be willing to bet that Oklahoma wouldn't either. But as of today... June or July 26th, it's 2025. So that really is a big blow to the Big 12, which also says to me, and this is something we kind of talked about throughout the week as it's kind of patterned along, I think this more or less confirms that the college football playoff has to be growing. It has to be growing pretty substantially. Because if you're Oklahoma, who's kind of been knocking on the door every year, who's made a couple of playoff appearances, why on earth would you be leaving a conference that basically guarantees you a shot at the, the college football four? Because there's that much more money involved. It's like a substantial amount of money. They're saying that that SEC TV deal is going to be just absolutely insanely huge. And adding Texas and Oklahoma to that is going to make it that much bigger. So does... Is Texas going to keep that Longhorn network then? How would it, is, I think they can because ESPN technically has SEC network. And Texas Longhorn network is through ESPN too. Okay. As well. Okay, so Longhorn network's going to stick around too. And, you know, we're talking about college football in this aspect. The money that is floating around college football right now is absolutely insane. I don't know, did you hear that, what Nick Saban said over the weekend? That his quarterback, who hasn't played a down of college football with the new NIL, has almost a million dollars. Almost a million dollars spent in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So, can you imagine what some of these brands like Texas are going to be able to pay their guys to? Not necessarily Texas as a school, but boosters in Austin. Right. That's one of the richest areas in the country. Right. And you can't tell me that those people don't want to see their Longhorns win football games. Right. I don't think it's great for Texas going to the SEC. I mean, they were the sixth best team in the Big 12. Yeah, I don't, like I said, unless the college football playoff is growing pretty substantially, I don't really get it. Because if you're Oklahoma, because Oklahoma is the primary focus in this right now, just where we are in the college football landscape right now. If you're Oklahoma, you're a perennial either knocking on the door of the college football playoff or you're in the college football playoff every single year. 
We know this. Right. So the fact that you're giving up that college football playoff money, because the SEC, if there's four teams, the SEC is not getting three. They might be a stretch to get two some years, but they're not getting three. Well, I, I, and today, though, I think Oklahoma is the second best team in that conference. If Oklahoma transfers to the SEC today, I think Oklahoma is probably number two. They're up there. Don't get me number wrong. Number two or number three. So Oklahoma going makes sense. Oklahoma's going to be fine. Oklahoma, for the last 30 years, has been probably the most consistent, if not one of the most consistent programs in the nation mm-hmm. for the last 30 years. Right. The... People I'd worry about would be Texas, man. That's if there's a time to stay in the Big Twelve, now is the time to stay if you're Texas, right? Because Oklahoma's out of the way. Your biggest rival, your biggest competition, has just moved left the building, right? And you're going to refill that conference with Utah has been floating around, or Boise State's been kind of floating Boise around, State, Cincinnati, UCF, one of these American conference teams that kind of knocking on the door of being perennially relevant but just not quite there yeah i mean they're going to be the third probably best team in your conference any given year and they're gonna be good they'll be solid they'll make a bowl game it's just one of like i said it's just one of those things that the college football landscape depending on how this falls is going to be flipped upside down well, college sports as a whole, because you think about some of the fallout, I think teams might start jumping from the Big 12. There's already talk about Kansas maybe joining the Big 10, which would be terrible for football, but really good for basketball. You're having talks about Notre Dame maybe having to finally join a conference and either joining the ACC or the Big 10. You're seeing schools like, you know, if, if to make room in the SEC, we're talking about all these teams joining what if you got to kick out like a Missouri or a Vanderbilt who really isn't relevant other than a little bit of baseball? Right, then you all of a sudden get... Then maybe that's a school that goes... Like Missouri would probably be a decent fit in the, in the Big Ten, just geographically. Yeah. So, I mean, you, there's a lot of impact that I don't think we're even close... Obviously, we know we're not close to seeing the half of it yet. Well, I think one of the biggest things to watch is maybe what happens to teams like Ohio State... Clemson, I think with the new money floating around from the name, image, likeness, a team like Oregon and USC are some of these big programs now that are not in the SEC that are kind of in the same boat that Oklahoma was in the Big 12, right? Mm -hmm. That Oregon, USC is going to be really so much money floating around those programs between boosters and geographically where they're at that their players are going to get paid well. They're going to recruit a lot better. And then you're going to be in a conference where you're pulling all the money in, but you still have to share profit revenues. Right. Because I think, honestly, that's what one of the things that kind of came down to with Texas and Oklahoma was that. They're the two pulling everything for the Big 12. Those, right now. I mean, you get a little bit of Baylor action, a little bit of TCU. They're, I'm not even sure they're. Yeah, they're Big 12. Yeah. A little bit of, like you said, Kansas and basketball. but Well, you get a lot in Kansas. Kansas is basically supporting the Big 12 for basketball. But you look at it and you go, well, we're making all the money here. Why are we profit sharing with people that aren't, that aren't pulling their own weight? So that's where this college landscape could really change if 
and we might go to just super conferences. It might be down to the point where there's just four super conferences and the winner of every super conference goes in place for the national title. Like that's, it's really, in my opinion, a really exciting time to be a college football fan because of all the change that potentially could happen with just realignment of conferences and all the new games and matchups we're going to get. Like, we're gonna, we could potentially get Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma, Alabama, and Texas, Alabama, all within... Four or five years? I mean, well, I'm saying even games. Just think about watching Oklahoma, Alabama in the regular season. Yeah. Because that's the kind of been the downfall of the SEC is that it's been really top-heavy. You have... Georgia, LSU, Florida. once in a while Auburn, once in a while Florida and Alabama. Right. But now you're filling out that depth of that conference where that conference potentially could have four or five top ten teams. Right. Half your teams in the nation could be all the SEC. Right. Now, that's not how they're going to finish, obviously, just due to conference title games and how um, they're going to have to take losses at some point. But there's a potential where you have a preseason poll that could have up to, what, six SEC teams in the top 12? Well, here's, here's another interesting shakedown of that, though. So... If you're Alabama and you're looking at the fact that you're going to have to play Oklahoma or Texas more than likely in the regular season. Right. And you're still having to play Georgia every year. Yep. You're still playing, you know, you might end up actually playing Oklahoma twice in a year. Yeah, depending, depending on, on which side of the conference they yep. fall in. If you're Alabama or say you're Auburn, who's kind of just always knocking on the door, you're Georgia. Is this the move that you want to see? The quick answer is probably still yes. Because it's going to be that much more money flowing through. But at the same time, like if you're, you know, we, we talk, the main money in college sports is football and basketball. Oklahoma kind of carries their weight in basketball at times. We've seen them be relatively relevant in the so last. Is Texas. Over the last 10, 15 years, sure. They've had some down years, but. They're relevant. Right. So with that said, if you're sitting there as Auburn, or, like I said, or if you're Georgia, you're one of these teams that's on the doorstep but not quite Alabama level. Think about that for just a second, that you're getting in the playoff every couple of years. You're a team that, you no, know, now you're seeing, a, you know, you're having an extra team that even had to get to the Big 12 or the um, SEC championship game or Florida. I don't know if you want that extra team to stop you from getting there, especially if you're going to have to play these teams like I said, two times, you know, two times a year. Sometimes, you know, once in a while you're playing them every year, but if not twice a year. Who is that to say though? On the other hand, that one of those teams might not be on the way out. Like, tell me, that, tell me, it's not a possibility that Georgia goes to the ACC. I mean, I don't think that's going right. to happen. But if or geographically, it would make sense though too. You know, but that's kind of what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm not. Like I said, I think they're all going to stay because I think there's going to be just that massive amount of money flowing through for college football rights that are going to come out now. Right. But, you, I mean, I don't know if anyone could really convince me that Georgia hasn't said, well, Oklahoma's here now. We're going to go to the ACC and be dominate that conference. Right. Or someone, like you said, Auburn, who's another one who says they're not going to go to the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, that's, what, that's kind of what I was getting at when I was saying – it's going to be it's a really fun time to be a college football fan because it could you could see some stuff you could see a massive shift in the landscape of these conferences like 
I d- there's a lot of teams that aren't going to go anywhere. Alabama's never leaving the SEC. No, and they shouldn't. But Michigan, Ohio State. I don't. Well, Ohio State. I gun to my head. I don't think they ever leave. If I'm Ohio State today, I'm leaving. Right. Like how much more money they could make being outside the Big Ten? They could, but like I said, I just I don't think they do. Although, like I said, they've kind of you've seen them cut. You see kind of writing on the wall there where they were all ticked off last year because they wanted to play football, and no and one else did. No one else did at first, and you kind of saw them looking to play outside the conference. Then you saw, you know, I think the SEC has already kind of approached them too as a possibility. And but the thing with even the floor are the. Texas, Oklahoma, is that no one really saw this coming until... It broke. Until it broke. So, I mean, the way that this is going, who's to say there's not handshake deals with Notre Dame and Ohio State to go to the SEC? Right. No, absolutely. So, so one more. I know we've got to get, cut this, but could it be a possibility where they're aligned with the NCAA? I wouldn't doubt it. Because is So what this new SEC conference is, right? You're going to have the majority of the money there. If on an off chance you were able to get Ohio State, Notre Dame, insert Pac-12 school, USC, Oregon, Arizona State, Utah. Well, even, even think Clemson. If you Clemson. can grab Clemson out of the ACC, because that's kind of a garbage conference as a whole for football anyway. If they just made the super conference in the South, could that be the end of the NCAA? All these teams saying, well, why are we paying you guys all this money? We can just govern it ourselves. It could be. Is it, that's obviously probably 20 years I don't think it'll ever road. happen, just from the way everything is set. But the bricks... But it wouldn't surprise me. The bricks are sort of fall, though. They are. No, you're absolutely right. And that's kind of... not. I don't, again, I don't necessarily think that's the way this is going, but is that a... It's within the realm of possibility. Because, like I said, if you grab Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame, there is no need for you to need the NCAA anymore. Well, even let's let's take this one step further. You just make like a North and South Power Conference. So you have yep. Wisconsin. You basically do the Big Ten and the SEC, and throw in a couple teams, Pac-12, couple teams, or well, Pac-12 too, but from the ACC and the Big Twelve. Throw a couple of those teams sprinkled in there. Those kind of traditional powerhouses that are relevant in just about every sport yep. that they do, you have some big money that it's so top-heavy that you could see two super conferences. You could see like a northern Southern power conference and a southern. That's kind of what I'm, getting, that's what I'm saying. I just I could see that that is a... I mean, I think that'd be an awesome thing to go to the NCAA. Could you imagine? All the, I, I don't see... I, at this point, even, with how the SEC is structured... If I'm the SEC, I'd, I'd go, why do I need to pay the NCAA all this revenue? Mm-hmm. We're making it all. We're holding it all in conference. We don't need them to govern us anymore. Right. Cause we, and how many times we talked about on this show even how much of a shit mess the NCAA is. Right. There's going to be a point where there's enough money flowing around that why are we paying for this governing body that doesn't really do anything? No, absolutely. So... Yeah, lots of stuff there. We'll see how it all shakes out over the course of next couple of weeks, not couple next couple of years, really, if we're being honest. But the bricks are starting to fall, like you said. So with that, we get to our last segment here before we kind of jump over to baseball talk. And Ramsey's radar. I like the segment a lot. So Ramsey, as we said, we're gonna give you two hot takes 
every week. Something that I don't know if you believe in or not, because that's always kind of one of the fun conversations we get to. Does Ramsey actually believe this stuff, or is he just saying it to be the contrarian? Or is he just trying to say it be Skip Bayless? So this is your time, Ramsey, where in the, you've got to say something that next week you think will happen or something that we can grade out in about a week from now and we'll kind of revisit throughout um, as we go. Last week you got an, an A and a C. So two hot takes, unjudged. It's all you. I really only have the one. The United States is not going to win the gold medal in the U.S. basketball. Like, I, that's not going to happen. There is... Spain is better at this point. I think Luka Doncic could put a hurt on them. That I, I, the U.S. men's basketball team is going to fall short. And then for another one, this is a little bit out, but Hendrick Motorsports will not win the championship this year. Oh, They came out with some engine violations, and NASCAR started paying attention to them, and all of a sudden their cars got a little bit slower. So that's a bad time for, you're going to see a decline in Hendrick Motorsports going over the next eight weeks. All right. So that's Ramsey's radar. With that, we get to talk with Matt Polly. He's the uh, co-host and, and kind of the talking mind of the Brewers pre- and post-game shows on WTMJ, the flagship station of Brewers Radio. Also the play-by-play Man for Green Bay women's basketball, so we'll talk a little bit NIL. We'll talk a little Brewers baseball, and I'm really excited to get to him, so let's get to him right now. All right, joining us now for the second time, the pre- and post-game host and a sports host at WTMJ, the voice of the Green Bay women's Phoenix basketball team and a Kansas State alum. Joining us now from WTMJ, Matt Pauley. Matt, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Awesome. We're ready to talk baseball. Before we do so, got to talk a little bit of NIL with the Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball team, which, I mean, I don't think it's really a hot take to say that they're one of the hotter tickets in the state of Wisconsin, especially for women's basketball. So I guess at first, your takes on what we've seen from the NIL already, and if slash what kind of uh, impact you could see it making in Green Bay. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. And I think right now it's sort of still in the wild, wild west stage where everybody's figuring things out. I really think there's going to be two different things going on. There's going to be boosters out there that, and this is not, this is a, this isn't specific to green Bay. This is more wide ranging. This is more about like big time power five football programs than anything else, but there's going to be boosters out there. Like at Miami, there's that gym owner that's going to offer every single member of the Miami football team you know, a few, you know, thousands of dollars to endorse his gym. He's not looking to make ROI on that. That's a way for him to legally be a booster. So that stuff's going to happen now and it's going to be legal. And that's kind of the world we're going to have to live in. But I think the more interesting thing is going to be the, the legit stuff where companies are going to literally be looking for people to endorse their products, to make money off it, where you are going to bring in more money than you are paying that individual. And that's where I think things are going to get, because it's, look, it's not hard, it's not easy to endorse a product and create revenue for the business or the product that you're endorsing. It takes a lot of work to do that. And I don't think the average 18, 19 year old 
is going to understand the amount of work. So I think all of a sudden there's going to be a lot of businesses that maybe get in bed with some of these athletes thinking that they're going to do an NIL deal with them. And it's just going to reap all kinds of money for them. And they're going to learn really quickly that, okay, maybe, maybe there isn't the return on investment. Maybe this is not the best way to go about spending our marketing money. I really do feel like a lot of the more creative types, the TikTokers, no matter what sport you're talking about, uh, the people that have a, a huge social media following and are very creative, I think those people are going to be able to uh, make some money doing this. And then obviously, look, if you're if you're the quarterback at Alabama, you can go sign an IL deal and everybody's going to make money off it. Like there, there is a handful of athletes in college sports that are going to, uh, that they're just big enough names. That's going to come very easy to them. I do also think that like in, in college towns, you mentioned I'm a, I'm a graduate of Kansas state and I am petrified right now about what's going to happen with the big 12 conference and where Kansas state may end up because I'm not convinced they're going to be a power five team, uh, two years from now. And that would be really disappointing. But in, in cities like Manhattan, Kansas, where with all due respect to the city of Manhattan, Kansas, there's not a whole lot else going on beyond K state. So I think an athlete's voice in a city like Manhattan, Kansas carries a lot more weight than, you know, like in Milwaukee. Um, and, and this is not a shot at anything going on at Marquette, but there's so much going on. I would argue that a basketball player at Kansas state is going to carry more weight than a basketball player at Marquette when it comes to name image likeness, just because the, the marketplace is not as kind of busy and, and, and muddled out. Like if you see a, if you see a commercial with a basketball player from Marquette, there's going to be a lot of people in Milwaukee who goes, who's that? Where if you're in Manhattan, Kansas and a basketball player pops up on your TV, endorsing a product, there's a very, very good chance. You're going to know exactly who that is. So some of the smaller markets that are really revolved around college athletics, I think that's another area where student athletes are going to be able to make a, a little bit of money off it. I've got, I have no clue. I have zero clue. Yeah. I, I haven't been around the basketball program since, uh, you know, speaking specifically to the green Bay women, I have not been around them since name image likeness. Uh, I, I don't know what, if any athletes have, have really signed deals, anything like there was, there's one player who I saw changed, uh, their bio on their Twitter profile, who I think uh, may have done a, a name image likeness deal, but I, I don't think it was a cash deal. If I based on, it was a barstool athlete. I don't think barstool's paying any, uh, and I think it's just like swag and, and stature and things like that. I don't get the sense that barstool's paying any of these name image likeness kids right now. And I'm not even sure if, if that player is, is still with barstool because there's been some questions about whether or not that's even going to be legal because barstool is so connected to the sports gaming uh, industry. So that might not even be something that the NCAA is going to end up allowing. This is a really long answer. And I don't know if I'm giving you the answer that you want, uh, but it's just, I, I still think it's kind of the wild, wild west phase and I am going to be very curious to see, because you mentioned like the green Bay women, they are a draw. They are a draw. And, and there are times where the green Bay women are out drawing the green Bay men, depending on how the men are doing and how the women are doing. Um, this is a, this is a big time women's basketball program. And when they're at the best and when they're getting to NCAA tournaments uh, and when they're winning league titles and doing all that sort of stuff, there's a lot of attention on what's going on with that program. Does that correlate to some of those student athletes being able to get name image likeness deals, you would think probably. Uh, but I, I still, I don't know what that's going to end up looking like. Like I have a, 
I have a pretty good sense and feel on what's going to be happening at larger schools, power five programs. I really don't know what it's going to look like when we're talking about mid-major programs. Yeah, excellent answer, Matt. So one other thing before we get into the baseball world, you're down in Milwaukee. What's that been like the last week and change? <laughs> yeah, it's been, um, it's been fun. Um, it's been really cool. I, I got like, I get, um, I get, I, I get not, not weepy, but I just kind of get, I, I really appreciate, I get kind of introspective when, uh, discussing the way things have been in the last week. Cause I, I love living here. I, I, I love the city. I love this state and I think it's a great place. And I think it's great. There's great people. And, uh, every time I'm watching on TV and they're doing the drone footage through the deer district and just showing the tens of thousands of people that are down there, not in the building, but outside the building like that, that doesn't happen in many places. It just doesn't it, that, that is a really rare thing for, and for, for to have that many people just celebrating outside or just going and watching a game like outside I think it made Milwaukee and I think it made the state of Wisconsin look really, really, really good. And man, it's, it's been so cool to watch the bucks win the championship. It's been so cool to see the eyes of the nation upon this area. There's just so much going, so much good stuff going on uh, when it comes to the bucks and the way that they were able to uh, play and the, just the, the fan reaction, you know, I know we'll get into baseball a second. I've said this a few times recently, but I think it's, I think it's notable. So, and major league baseball and the NBA are very different. Uh, the decisions that players make are very different, but we talk a lot about destination locations and from a baseball standpoint, Milwaukee has very much become a destination location because you've got a manager and credit council that players want to play for. Uh, you've got an organization that's going to support you. You got fans who are going to support you. There's still a lot of players out there who remember the, the run to the NLCS a few years ago and just watching how much fun that team had and the, and the way everything was. And I've talked to a lot of Brewers players who have joined the team since then who have specifically spoken about watching the Brewers during that playoff run and how appealing it looked to be part of that. And that was part of their decision-making when they made the decision to uh, accept an offer from the Brewers. Now, I think the NBA is different. I think destination locations are different in the NBA. It's still about big cities. It's still about coast. It's still about, you know, trying to, you know, put together a super team and make as much money as you possibly can. And that's not going to go away simply because the bucks with Giannis did it in a really different way. But all that being said, if you're an NBA free agent, and you've got an offer from the Bucks, and you've got an offer from another team, those images of the Deer District and knowing that Pfizer Forum is a great arena and knowing that the fans are going to support you and all the, and you get to go play with one of the best players walking the face of the earth and Giannis, all that plays out where I think, I think the Bucks are more, and Milwaukee specifically, is more of a destination location right now than they would have been before this playoff run. And I would say that even if they would have lost that series to the Suns, because I think, I think the, I think the fan reaction, in the deer district and the all the people that were there would have still been very similar. I mean, that was going on throughout the run of the postseason. Um, I just, I, I think that has an impact moving forward. Yeah. Awesome stuff. So I guess we can go right in the baseball talk. So we're, we got Ramsey here. Ramsey is like I said, one of I don't even know if I'd say casual baseball fan. So, Matt, you talked about the great things going on in Milwaukee for 
Brewers baseball right now. Get Ramsey up to speed a little bit and tell him why she, why he should watch the second half of the season. Cause it's a really fun baseball team that does. That's got some really cool guys who, uh, who, and I say uh, they play baseball in a fun way. Like, I mean, we can't, you start every conversation about the Brewers right now with Willie Adamas, who has become as entertaining of a baseball player as we have seen in Milwaukee in a while. And it's just, it's incredible how he impacts so many different areas of this team on the field, off the field, making teammates better. He's better. I mean, it's just, uh, he is, he is a cornerstone kind of guy based off what he's done so far. Now, admittedly, 56 games he's played with the Brewers. So you know, we, we were saying the exact same thing about Keston Hira based off, not, not quite the, the exact same thing, but we were expecting Keston Hira to be a middle of the order guy for the Brewers for the next eight years based off what he did when he first got up a couple of years ago. And obviously it hasn't worked out that way. So 56 games does not make a season, does not make a player. But if Adamas keeps doing any version of what he's doing right now, uh, this is a uh, this is a really compelling player. The pitching has been remarkable. Uh, what they've the the top three guys in the rotation and where they're at in terms of uh, ERA rankings across Major League Baseball, uh, and just the fact that it's back to full capacity and fans are able to enjoy it. I think the energy has been that much better. I to me, I don't know if you guys agree with this or not. To me, I think sports are more entertaining when fans are in the stands, even when you're watching on TV, there's something about it. When fans are in the stands this past weekend, the series against the white Sox, they had a sellout on Saturday. They had over 30,000, uh, the other two days, like these felt like really big games and important games. And a lot of it was the white Sox fans coming up from Chicago. And it was just a, it was a really fun atmosphere. So I think, I think it's a fun team. That's kind of the bottom line here. The brewers are a really, really fun team to watch. Well, and it's one of those things that I've actually paid attention to more this year than I have in the past. Obviously, Dollar Shire did the podcast, and Eric's been on me about making sure to pay attention to the Brewers. So I actually have paid a little bit of attention to them. It's just one of those things I've never really been into. So I'm trying it out. I'm trying to get better at it. I've been paying attention a little more. We got to get down to a game. I've never been to one. So that's something that I think Eric's laughing on right now. That. Yeah, that's all me. Yet. That's all on me, I guess. That that part's yeah, on Yeah, Eric, get, get you you come to games like fairly often. Like kidnap <laughs> Ramsey, get him in the car, drive down here, take him to a Brewers game. Come on, man. I think we can make that happen. I think between yeah. now and this this awesome run this team's going on, that we can make that happen. So, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you, you talk to these players and you say it kind of starts and, and ends with Willie Adamas and what he's been like. So I guess just the kind of the first question I want to ask is Kind of just to go further with that, what is he like? I mean, we've seen videos of him being on mic'd up on Sunday Night Baseball. We've seen uh, that last weekend, I think it was the video of him and Craig Council talking in the dugout, just, you won two World Series? That's awesome. So what what is talking to Willie Adamas like? Uh, he'll talk to anybody. He'll have a long conversation with anybody. And the conversation means something. I think that's... Um, We've all had conversations with people where it's very clear. They're not real interested in this conversation. Maybe they feel like they need to do it. They're going to, they're going to put in the necessary work to, uh, to complete the conversation. They're not going to be you know rude about it, but you just get the sense. Okay. They'd rather be somebody else. That is not, that is not, that is not, that is not Willie Adamas. He will talk to anybody. And when he's talking to those people, 
those conversations matter. So he's very relational. I thought I'm, I am, um, I continue to be struck by, and I mentioned this a moment ago. I think when the, when you look at how he's impacted the team, it's, there's so many different like tentacles to it. He's made the team better defensively at shortstop because he plays shortstop and he's a solid defensive shortstop. He's made the team better offensively because he's a good hitter. He's uh he's deep in the lineup, just being in the lineup. He's made other players better. I think you specifically look at the relationship he has with Luis Urias. Luis Urias is a different baseball player since Willie Adamas arrived. And those two guys have gotten really close and they do a lot of work together uh, on the field. The energy he brings, I mean, I can't believe I, it took me this long to use the word energy to describe him because there is just this, this energy that is always coming out of him. Uh, the, the, the fact that he loves celebrating with his teammates and loves he it's, it's like he gets more sometimes out of watching his teammates have success than he gets out of his own success, which I don't know if there is a greater compliment that you can give somebody as an athlete, especially a high level athlete who does things at a certain level for them to almost enjoy when other athletes are having success more than the, the enjoy themselves. It's you know the other night uh, when Tyrone Taylor hit that big home run against the white Sox, like he, he went up to Taylor a moment before, because remember that, that was the crazy, you know, LaRusso's getting thrown out of the game. Like everything's mm-hmm. going haywire. And he goes up to Taylor in that moment and says, this is your moment. This is your moment. And for whatever reason, he was, he was compelled to go have that small interaction with Taylor and Taylor hits the home run. It's like, you know what? There's another example of Willie Adamas just being in the middle of everything. I, I, it's only 56 games, but in many ways, it feels like he has almost become kind of the soul of this baseball team. That's incredible. So, before we get into looking forward here, a couple of things we want to look back at and a couple of things we had talked about when we had you on the first time. Um, so one is the health of this team. And, and I had wrote actually a couple of days back about how really, if you look at where Milwaukee is in the NL Central, just, you know, six and a half or seven game lead now or six and a half game lead um, in the Central. And it's not the Cubs. It's not the Cardinals who they're kind of on top with. And just playing, you know, since really since Willie Adamas joined the team playing the best of all baseball, but really, if you think about it, I mean, you've had two stints with Christian Yelich on the IL. You've had Lorenzo Cain on the IL for most of the year. Uh, Colton Wong spent some significant time there. What has made this team just get to this point? Well, I mean, the, the easy answer is pitching. Like the pitching has been so remarkably good that they have been able to survive some pretty bad offensive nights and some pretty bad offensive periods and still win some games they, they have. We, we talk so much about Willie Adamas because of all the different areas that he's impacted the team. But the, the number one important thing still about the Brewers has been uh, the pitching and how good uh, it has been. But the other thing is uh, the, you've got so many other guys who have been able to step up. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about Tyrone Taylor a little bit. He is giving this team huge at bats. Um, and, and Adamas and, and Luis Urias and, and Avisayo Garcia and Omar Nervaez. There's a bunch of guys who have been able to step up even, you know, recently like a rowdy Telez and the weekend that he was able to have uh, against the white Sox, a guy who was seemingly just brought up, was acquired as a stopgap measure 
while Daniel Vogelback was going to be out, just just uh, almost an emergency acquisition, just to kind of tread water for this period that Vogelback is out, and then he has that big weekend, and all of a sudden you start going, well, is, is this going to be another one of these classic Stearns acquisitions where this guy is going to be a lot better than anybody thought that he was going to be, and you know we'll, we'll find out. Maybe the, you know if if you invite me back on the podcast, we can we can revisit that and see see where it's at. But if nothing else. Telez has been big for the last three, four days, and that's helped the team win some games. So I, it just, some of these unexpected contributors have really been able to, to step up even early on the season. I know Travis Shaw, before he went on the injured list, uh, his numbers weren't great and he was not getting a lot of hits. But if you remember for that first month, month and a half of the season, he was one of the league leaders in RBIs. He mm -hmm. was finding ways to drive in runs. So there's been a lot of guys who have been able to a uh, Billy McKinney. Like he's, he's not even the organization anymore. He's too, he's been, he's on his third team now this season, but in his stint with the Brewers, he was able to come up big. I, I wonder what's going to happen with Jace Peterson moving forward, because when Colton Wong was out, Peterson gave the Brewers fantastic at bats and really helped them produce and when, when Peterson is not playing a lot, he does not perform as well at the plate and he doesn't have any options left. And in the next three weeks, you're going to have Lorenzo Cain, Daniel Vogelback and Travis Shaw all set to come off the injured list. Internally, I wonder what does that mean for Jace Peterson? Maybe all of a sudden he's not with the team anymore, but you still sit there and go, well, think about the contributions he made to the team when Colton Wong was injured. So the, uh, the, you know, we hear it in football all the time. The next, you know, the, the, the tough guy coach speak of next guy up. Well, you don't really use that terminology in baseball that often, but I think the brewers and the, what has happened this year, there really has been that next guy up mentality. Yeah. So just to kind of keep going on, um, you know, a little bit of review here quick. So we've seen some struggles out of guys and we kind of talked about like Kesson here, and then we've seen him get right for a little bit of time. Now he's kind of going back in that other direction. We've seen the struggles of Jackie Bradley Jr. And even at times we've seen Christian Yelich struggle. Uh, one thing that you had talked about extensively actually the last time you were on, and it was great stuff, was track record. So I'm going to kind of ask the million-dollar question. First, I mean, we've kind of seen Jackie Bradley Jr. kind of riding the ship, but we've seen Christian Yelich kind of riding the ship in some ways. First, I guess I'll go, Christian Yelich, what do you think the true... Yelich is is it the 2019 2018 Yelich or is it more like 2021 Yelich or somewhere in between somewhere in between closer to 2018 2019 now I don't I hope I'm wrong on this I don't expect to see that guy this year we're, we're deep enough into the year that I think Yelich is a guy who you hope to get on base and you hope that he comes up with the occasional you know big hit uh, he's a mess right now. This is his worst month of the year at the moment. It has not been good. It has not been good at all. I, I think he has contributed the, to the team more than a lot of people are giving him credit for because of his ability to get on base. He bats at the top of the order. He scores a good amount of runs, but his job isn't to score runs. His job isn't to draw walks. His job is to you know, put balls down in the gap and put balls over the wall and drive in runs. That's his job. And he really hasn't done that job this year. I, I still think we'll see that guy again. Uh, I just, I don't know when I, I lean towards it, probably not happening this year. I have no clue why, if I knew why I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now, I would have <laughs> a, I would have a bigger job in baseball, you know, 
last year we talked about it a lot. Was he all the way healthy from the knee this year? We could talk about health from the back. You know, is the, um, is there something else going on? Is the approach different? Uh, is it because he's being pitched differently and he hasn't been able to adjust to the way he's being pitched? Like, I, I don't know. I don't, it could be any of those things. It's probably a combination uh, of a bunch of those things. Uh, I, but I will say this, I, I think, uh, especially before this month, this month has really been a struggle for him, but before we got into the month of July, I think he has still contributed to the team's offense in his ability to get on base and score runs. Yeah. And you talk about, I mean, like I said, just one other piece of, uh, to kind of review here and we, I mean, the pitching has spoken for itself, but. Uh, Keston here was kind of that guy that I know Justin had talked about pretty extensively and just kind of, you know, what do we need to see from him? Will it be a rebound? And, and is it mental? Is it just, you know, he's just hasn't kind of maybe one of those guys that needs to play consistently and he's just not getting that all the time. And he's just got a sh- too short of a leash or what, what is it with Keston here or even Jackie Bradley jr. Who, like I said, we've kind of seen turn it around, but, but it's been, pretty late. Yeah. I, th- I think it's two different things. I think, you know, every player has a bad year. Like Omar Nevaez had a, had a bad year last year and it was his first year with the Brewers. So like there were a lot of Brewers fans that thought, well, this is who Omar Nevaez is. No, no, it's not. I kind of put Jackie Bradley jr. In that, in that same category. I think uh, it's, he has, he's been a little bit better, you know, over the last month, month and a half of the season. There are times where he puts together a few strong games, but he, there, the consistency isn't there. Now he, he has not let what his struggles at the plate impact him uh, in the field. And he's a spectacular defensive center fielder. Uh, this just doesn't seem to be his year. And I, I fully 100% expect him to have a bounce back season next year and go back to being the guy that he's always been in his career, going back to track record. Like we talked about earlier, when it comes to Keston Hira, I just don't know. Uh, he doesn't have the track record. He had, you know, basically half a season of playing really, really good baseball. He's got a lot more time at the major league level struggling than he does thriving. He has never had a hard time hitting the ball at any minor league level at the college level, anywhere other than the big leagues. He has been an elite hitter, but he can't put it together. My expectation, Lorenzo Cain is set to be activated off the injured list uh, prior to the game on Tuesday my expectation would be that here is going to be sent back down. Uh, you've got Jace Peterson who can play first base. So uh, really at this point here is kind of your third string first baseman behind Telez and Peterson. And you know, you've got some other guys who you can probably put at first if you were really in a, in an emergency situation. So I, I'm not expecting Keston Hira to be on the roster for that much longer because he's, he's just not contributing. We, we, we talk so much Christian Yelich is contributing. Jackie Bradley Jr. is contributing. They're not contributing as much, and they're not contributing in the ways you are expecting them to contribute. Um, here is not, and, and I don't say that with joy, and I don't say that to you know knock the guy down. It's just he's not hitting. He's swinging and missing at pitches that are that kind of look like meatballs. That you know throughout his entire career, he would have had no problem having success on. Um, 
he's got stuff going on in his personal life too, as his mom's battling illness. And you, you do, I, I hate even talking about that, but that's the real life stuff. We can't, you know, a lot of people forget that professional athletes, period. doesn't matter if you're professional or not. Like these are still, these are human beings and what's going on in their real world can impact them on the field. And I don't know, it, it'd be pretty hard not to be impacted in some way by that. Now he's just not getting the playing time. Um, it, I just, to me, I'd almost rather see him go to AAA, spend the rest of the year in AAA, work on whatever whatever they see in his swing that they need to fix. You know, go rebuild the swing if you feel like you need to do that. Whatever, you know, and, and even if he's hitting, you know, he had he had over a thousand OPS at, at AAA. Like even if he continues to do that, if he goes and hits 400 at AAA and is hitting a home run every other game, I don't think that necessarily means that you need to be motivated to push him back to the big leagues. There's only, uh, you know, in the minor league season, there's only a month and a half left in the year. Uh, let him finish out the year at AAA and, and let's try this thing over again in spring t- training next year. I just, he just looks lost. And I feel more than anything, I feel bad for him to be perfectly honest with you. And I'm not trying to like, uh, that, that sounds you know critical in a weird way. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be that way, but I just, I watch him go up to the plate and swing at some of these pitches and not come anywhere close. And I just, and I just think to myself, he's pressing. What, what are we much. really doing here? What, what are we accomplishing with him being at the big league level? All right. So then kind of looking forward, you know, we've got a pretty big day coming up, the MLB trade deadline and experts around the league are saying, this is going to be one of the more frenzied trade deadlines that we've seen. Uh, we've seen all the talk coming out of Chicago as to just how they're going to sell that whole thing. And, and melt it down, but we've seen some names tossed around with Milwaukee. Uh, what's kind of the feeling in Milwaukee about trade deadline needs versus trade deadline wants and and kind of go from there? Yeah, I think the need is relief pitching. That's uh, from, a, from a true need perspective. That's the area. They have pushed the relief pitching depth as far as they can push it. I think they need some more high leverage guys who can pitch in the back innings. You know, they've gotten really good performances from Jake cousins and Miguel Sanchez, but these are unproven guys. And as good as they've been, you, you do worry with unproven guys. That at some point you lose it a little bit and, and take, you know, the league kind of figures you out. And then you've got that period of time where you got to make your adjustments and, and, and adjust back to the league. So to me, the most important thing that this team can do is go find high leverage relief help. And with David Stearns, he's done that just about every year. You know, you can think about all the guys they brought in who have pitched big innings out of the bullpen, whether it's a, you know, going back a few years with somebody like Anthony Swarzak or in more recent years, a Drew Pomerantz, a Jordan Lyles, a Joaquin Sore. like so many guys have been brought in to be relief pitchers and they've pitched in high leverage spots. So I have, I have no doubt that David Stearns and Matt Arnold are absolutely going to acquire uh, relief pitching. So then the question goes, what would be the, th- you know, when you eye towards a deep run in the postseason, where are there areas for improvement on this team? And they have not gotten the production out of first base that you would have liked them to get. And if there's an opportunity for them to go get a legit first baseman, who's going to put up first baseman kind of production. When you talk about power and home runs and driving in runs and things like that, 
they they have to do that. There's been some reports out there that they would be looking at third base as well. Luis Urias has done a really nice job, but I think also, you know, if all of a sudden you can turn Urias into your utility infielder and he can jump around from third and, and second and short and just spell guys and, and you know who he was going to be really before the injury to Travis Shaw. Um, if you do that by bringing in a third baseman, well then that, that can help the team as well. So they want to bring based off everything I'm saying, they want to bring in another bat. I think, you know, right now Brewers fans should be rooting for the teams that are kind of on the brink of being in contention or out of contention to fall out of contention so that the market is filled with more buyers uh, or filled with more sellers than buyers, just, you know, market forces. Uh, and we've already seen some moves start to be made. You, you, you think about uh, the trade that the Padres just made and what they gave up. And you think about um, just the, the other trades that, you know, the cruise deal and what was given up there. Like there's, so far, it feels like it's taking a lot to acquire players, and David Stearns is incredibly disciplined. So my expectation would be that if they make a huge splash at it in the trade market, it's going to be a last-second deal where maybe they get another team to blink first. Any predictions? No. Uh, the, you can't. You can't predict. This isn't me not knowing anything. This is... This is the, like, here's my prediction. Yes, I have a prediction. The names that you hear rumored being connected to the Brewers will not be Brewers because it never, that's how it always plays out. Everybody the Brewers ever acquire comes out of left field, no pun intended. And when, when they, when they're, you know, I, Heyman had a couple reports uh, today, uh, Trevor Story, Josh Donaldson, like my expectations are that neither of those guys will be brewers because there's rumblings about it. So that's my prediction. Okay. No, that's fair. That's excellent stuff. So, I mean, we've kind of saw just impact trades already this, I mean, just Willie Adamas that was in May. So we kind of get into this, this frenzy of that final week of the deadline. And, and really, I mean, you said it yourself, Stearns has kind of made a point of pretty good acquisitions all throughout, even that quiet Hunter Strickland move. So do we see, if you had to guess, I mean, I'll, I'll maybe one more quote-unquote prediction. Do you see it more as a value move or is it a splash move? Uh, I'm not saying it won't be a splash move, but I, I think the market forces would have to, you'd have to get another team desperate uh, where they just really want to move on from somebody and they were expecting to be able to move on from somebody and then, a general manager for maybe for another team completely misplayed the the situation and the teams that they were talking about for somebody all of a sudden those other teams all went and acquired somebody for that same position and now you're just kind of left with the brewers and if you want to shed this salary if you want to bring in some prospects it's either the brewers or nothing that that's an extreme example, but I think it's going to be that type of thing. If it's going to be a big splash, because look, the, the Willie Adamas move retroactively is a big splash move, but in the moment it wasn't right. in the moment, right. the team was bringing in an infielder who was hitting 197 for Tampa Bay. And they were giving up a couple arms that people were excited about. So 
uh, that's a that's a big splash move because of what Adamas has done since then. It wasn't a big splash move at the moment. If you're going to make a legit big splash, legit all-star caliber kind of move, to me, that's something that's going to happen right at the deadline when uh, Stearns maybe has a, a GM for another team kind of in a corner. All right, so then we look at the second, the quote-unquote second half of the season, you know, post-All-Star break, even though we hit the 81 games mark. And, and as mentioned, I know one thing we had talked about pretty extensively was just the fact that we kind of expected the, the usual powers that be in the Central to be around, and, and really they're not. So I guess I kind of want your take on the teams down south, Chicago and St. Louis specifically, of, of what went wrong and, and is this a fluke and the Central as a whole. Yeah, I look, I don't of all those teams, I still think the Cardinals are probably the second best team in the division. And I thought they were going to come out of the weekend against Cincinnati in second place. And they didn't give credit to the Reds. The Reds were able to win two out of three. Uh, If there was if this is going to become a race again, if there's a team that's going to make a, a run, I still feel like it would be the Cardinals, but they're running out of time. They're just, they're, they're running out of time. Jack Flaherty has started to throw a little bit Their Their season kind of went into the pooper once, uh, once Jack Flaherty got injured. Um, I've never believed in Cincinnati. I just haven't. Uh, the, I, I think where the Cubs hurt themselves, they've got a good team and I don't think that organization ever like really believed in them. And I thought it was really interesting because for a while they're basically the Cardinals and Cubs had the exact same record and the Cubs management were basically on record saying, because this is coming off their long losing streak. The Cubs management was on record basically saying it was going to be a sell at the deadline. And Cardinals management still sounded like they were thinking about trying to find ways to improve the team. And they still believed they could make that run. And I, I think belief in your from your organization matters. I just it doesn't feel like anybody in the front office in Chicago really believes in that team. And now we have started to see them sell off a few pieces and that's going to continue on. And you just have to wonder what that team is really going to look like come the end of the season. But yeah, I still, I still think the Cardinals are the second best team in the division. And I think the Brewers really lucked out by the Jack Flaherty injury because when Flaherty got injured, they became a completely different baseball team. I don't think they're going to make a run. I really think I, you know, Gosh, I, I hate saying this, and if it doesn't work out this way, you know that people are going to get on me about it. Um, but I just, I do, I do sense that the Brewers are very much in the driver's seat, and that they are going to be okay here over the next uh, two months of the season. Yeah. So with the, I mean, let's just, I, I'm kind of leaning your way too, like as you know, the analyst and the fan. So. One thing I know Ramsey has kind of has kind of been his barometer of interest in the Brewers has been are the Brewers a legitimate contender? And and we saw them play some big, you know, early season matchups, keep in mind, but big matchups against the teams out west. So in terms of where Milwaukee actually ranks in the MLB, where I mean they're you see all the power rankings are a top ten team. Uh, I think MLB.com had theirs come out at the Brewers were eight today. I think Ben Verlander with Fox had them at six. Where are the Brewers in the national scale? Yeah, that's that's right. Um, I I don't think they're as good as the Dodgers uh, in the National League. I still think the Do- and I know the Giants are in first place in that division. Dodgers have had some injuries this year. Their pitching has not been what they expected to be. 
Um, but the Dodgers, I still think they're the class of the national league, but then you get into that next group and the Brewers are right there. And uh, even when it comes to the Dodgers, the thing about the Brewers, the reason that they, we can, I think you separate teams out in terms of how good they are in a 162 game regular season and how good they are in the postseason. And in a 162 game regular season, I don't think the Brewers are as good as the Dodgers. I'm not sure if they're as good as the Padres. I'm not sure if they're as good as the, uh, as, as the giants. You know, those three teams in the national league West are all really, really good. But when it comes to being built for the postseason, when you are only you're, you're, you're in the postseason, you basically use three starters consistently. And then you've got a fourth starter that depending on how, you know, how long you go in the championship series and how long you go in the world series, a fourth starter may get one start in each of those series. And everything else is generally filled by your top three starters. So because the brewers have Brandon Woodruff, uh, Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta, the, I, to me as a postseason team, the brewers are just as good as those teams because they've got the opportunity to go and pitch at such a high level. You'd like for them to be, have a little bit more of a consistent uh, lineup in terms of hitting. They're still, they're still a roller coaster ride when it comes to uh, what they've done offensively, a lot better than who they were early on in the season. Uh, but they, they can go through periods of time and they can have series where they just don't score a lot. You think about the Kansas city series where they get swept in that two game series last week uh, where the offense just kind of went quiet and that, that kind of happens sometimes. And if that's going to happen in the regular season, that can easily happen in the postseason because of the way pitching tends to dominate in the postseason. But I'm, I'm not trying to be a homer here. I think the brewers have as good of a chance as anybody when it comes to the postseason, simply because of those top three starters. Yeah, excellent stuff, Matt. So we look, I mean, I'm sure we'll probably get you back towards that. That pushes kind of what the temperature of the room is. So between now and then, I, we kind of asked you to make a prediction last time you were on about where the Brewers would be around All-Star time when we'd have you back. And overall, I mean, you kind of, you really nailed that one. So last two months of the season here, what do you got? Yeah, I think the Brewers win the division. Uh, I, think it, I think there's going to be periods of time where maybe a team makes a run and all of a sudden it's a four game lead or a five game lead kind of the way it was going into the all-star break when Cincinnati had won those games. And then you came back out of the all-star break and the Brewers kind of knocked them back down uh, in that first series after the all-star break. So I still, I, I think those teams are close enough. The Brewers will have periods where they have a bad week or they, you know, they have a couple close losses and a team goes on, on a run and all of a sudden it feels like, okay, they're going to make a run. But then I think those teams will kind of fall off. Brewers are in great shape right now. Again, nothing's locked in. Not they, it's not a thing where they can coast to the postseason, but it is a thing where you can do what you need to do to try to be at your best for the postseason, sticking with the six day rotation, utilizing off days to give pitchers a little bit extra rest, utilizing your entire roster and your entire bench so that uh, guys are rested later on the season, being very cognizant of possible injuries and, uh, you know, just coming from the 60 to the 162. Uh, I think they're in very good position right now. And I would be, I, 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 oof, I hope I'm not jinxing anything here, but I would be surprised if the Brewers are not division winners this year. Awesome stuff, Matt. Before we let you go, tell the people how they can follow you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air and everything I've got going on. You can always uh, see right there. So I always appreciate any uh, Twitter follows. Yeah, awesome stuff. Once again, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. And any kind of parting thoughts for Brewers fans or Ramsey, who's not quite a baseball fan? Just 
enjoy this season because this is a really fun team between uh, some, you know, really fun players. Like we mentioned, watching the emergence of Tyrone Taylor, watching Willie Adamas do his thing. And then watching that pitching. I think I, I just hope people are, I, you know, sometimes uh, people don't always enjoy the process. And I always kind of lament that on others behalfs because it is about championships and it is about getting to the postseason. But it's also about the games that take place during that period. So I hope people are able to enjoy watching this Brewers team on a on a night in, night out basis. That's Matt Polly. Thank you so much again for coming on, Matt. Awesome stuff as usual, and can't wait to have you in the postseason. Yeah, yeah, thank absolutely. You, Matt. Anytime. It. You bet. Thanks again, Matt Polly, for joining us. Awesome stuff. Yeah, what an awesome interview. I mean, it was a conversation room with me and him. You, you know, I didn't want to bring down like. You guys were talking about stuff that was so much over my head that I didn't want to be that guy that comes in and asks something that's off topic, not knowing it's off topic. I would have loved what what. Just give me one example. The you guys are talking about players that I have no idea who these guys are. You could tell me they played for the Marlins, and I'd be like, oh, sure. <laughs> so just the fact I didn't even know who we were talking about. Like I looked up that one guy. The shortstop? Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas, who was hitting, what, 290? So he's pretty good. Yeah. But then I was like, Christian Yelich. I'm like, yeah, he had a rough, like, last 30 days. That's the extent of the conversation that I was able to. <laughs> it was just a little over my head for being uh, the baseball fan that I am currently. You're getting there, though. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm big time proud of you. I'm, I'm trying to pay attention. Like I said, special team, really fun team this year, Ramsey. I really like Tatis Jr. from the Padres. Yeah. Okay. He's fun. Stunned. He's fun. I'll give you that. So with that, we're going to wrap up with the last thing that we kind of added last week and something else I'm really proud that we're doing. From the cutting room floor, is there anything else that we didn't get to this episode that maybe just deserves a quick mention? It was kind of a dead week in sports. I mean, there's always those Lakers rumors that are floating out. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry. God, I hope not. Uh, DeMar DeBrosen. Right. Um, Damian Lillard trade rumors obviously are floating out right now. I would say this is one of my favorite times of the year for NBA. About three weeks after the season's over, we're going to have the draft done. Free agency's going to start. Players are going to be on the move. So for being a LeBron fan, or an, even a Bucks fan right now, mm-hmm. of where... The Bucks can tweak and add and run it back. Run it back, and a team like the Lakers, who were dealt with injuries all year, but there's a lot of connections that are talking about wanting to play in LA with LeBron. So, it's going to be a really interesting um, next like what six to eight weeks for the NBA that we're going to see a lot of trade talk and movement of players, and I guess even the Packers, if there's any free agents that are left that they'd be interested in, yeah, they're still kind of floating around out there. So one just quick thing, training camp starting this week, we'll give away the jersey. What, I guess, what would you need to see or what do you want to see out of training camp? There's one thing that in the next six weeks between now and the start of the regular season in September that you need to see, you want to see, whatever it be, biggest storyline that you want, that you think will happen or you want to see. I would say that there's nothing I really need to see. Uh, we A lot of the players that are currently in Green Bay – that are going to be at training camp is a rinse and repeat from last year. Right. Um, I would like to see I, I, to see Jordan Love in person. 
Yep, because that's a lot of stuff that we've talked about for the last, um, uh, what, year? Right. How good is Jordan Love? Well, no one really knows. No one's actually seen him live. Right. So it's gonna, I'm going to be interested to see what his um, progress has been from his college tape to what he's looking at as a pro. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see, I, I don't know, maybe Green Bay kind of with the news settling down a little bit. Just kind of everyone get back on the same bandwagon of this is a Packer town and we're going to stop being, because it's been kind of divided here. Oh, very divided. Not kind yeah. of. Very divided. Right. I, I mean, for... Since April. Since April. It, April 29th been, was the date I saw on Twitter. April 29th through July 26th. It's been a city that's been half's on Aaron's side, half is on the... I wouldn't say half is on Aaron's side. No. It's, there's probably a third of us that are on Aaron's side. The other 60% is just bashing Aaron and wants him out of the league. I mean, so... I would like to see, because that's one of the best parts about Green Bay, especially going into Packer season, is everyone kind of rallies around a team. There's a sense of unity, just in the city in general. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, if you're not from the area and you have the opportunity to come here and go down to the stadium bars, stadium bars, just do the whole, you do the whole Green Bay experience, Mm -hmm. there is nothing else in the world that's like it. It's really not. The city shuts down. Without a doubt, even so, even one of my kind of favorite things to do, and it's you know either away games or or even like the postseason games where it's just you kind of have the whole weekend to it. Go to the grocery store on a Sunday morning no. of a Packer game, home game, road game, whatever. There's go a, to the grocery store. Go to Festival Foods. Yep. Go to whatever. You've got people wearing green and gold church. They stop and get their their pregame meal at Festival Foods or whatever. And then it's, oh, let's head down to the stadium bars. or Even for road games, the stadium yep. bars are packed. And it's just the coolest thing. And, and I think you're going to see that unity. So you, I, I do agree with you. It kind of, I don't think I really thought about that aspect of it. Just seeing kind of, okay, guys, everything's it's good, okay. It's, it's okay. We're going to run it back at least this year. Everyone calm down. Now we're Packer fans again. Because that's what it is. And especially with – we've talked about this with LeBron before and how – you need to appreciate greatness why it's here. Right. Just like, even though I've been kind of a Giannis shit talker, you, we still need to appreciate Giannis why he's in Milwaukee. Right. Because there's no guarantee that he signs another deal. There's no guarantee he even plays next year, right? He could blow his Achilles out in the offseason training, and that's it. Yeah. He doesn't come back. And so it's one of those things we got to appreciate greatness why it's here. And we have... There's two or three players that are on this team coming up this year that are considered great players. I mean, Devontae, Aaron, I think Jair Alexander. Mm -hmm. You have three guys from the top three of their position in the league. A lot of uncertainty with all three of them, really, if you look at the financials and whatnot. Because even Jair's coming up. This is a contract year. Devontae is in a contract year. Right. And Aaron's obviously kind of up in the air what he's doing next year. So... And not to be that guy, but potentially there are some lean years coming up here for Green Bay with how the current roster is constructed. Mm-hmm. That this is kind of one of those years. It's not all in because Green Bay is never 100% all in. But there is a point where it could be lean for three or four years. If Aaron's gone, Devon doesn't re-sign. Jair doesn't re-sign. There's not the money here. and We kind of go into a rebuild. 
that it could be one of those early 2000s teams where, you know, it's a 3-12, and 12, or that's what's 17 games now, but a losing record right. could be down the street. So enjoy the team that we have right now because we've seen it before in the state where winning, we've, but we've won for 30 years. Mm-hmm. But you can only do that for so long before... Everything cycles. Sports, sports life, history, it's all cyclical. It and, cycles. I mean, just look at the box. 50 years, right? right. We're on a 50-year cycle. So in the Brewers even, the Brewers were really good in the 70s, correct? Uh, late 70s, early 80s. So we're, then we're, we're awful in the late 90s, early to mid-2000s. And uh, you've seen some lean years even since 2004, 2005, where it's kind of started to turn around. You can kind of pinpoint... Um, and I, I had wrote about this a couple of weeks back about the importance of Ryan Braun and the Brewers. Because Ryan Braun was kind of the last piece of that that youth movement you yep. saw in Milwaukee between Fielder and Hardy and Corey Hart and Ricky Weeks and All list goes on and on. Guys aren't here anymore. And Ryan Braun was the last piece of that. Even getting drafted, he was kind of like the later yeah, he's of the, the guys to get kind of added. And you saw the first winning team in two thousand in two thousand seven. First winning record since, like, 1992, I think. 2008, you saw the first playoff appearance since 1982. Um, And then, you know, you kind of even go 2008 to 2011. Some lean years in there. 2011, Brewers decide they're going all in, go get Zach Greinke, and go to the NLCS. And then then you kind of had another uh, lean years. And then 2014, then 2016. 17 to pick back up. So you've seen just different small three or four, you know, two, three year bursts at a time that it's like a f- three, four year low. So that's what I was kind of getting at with, for the most part, as a Wisconsin sports fan, and this is going to sound, because I've had Chris, I've Wisconsin sports for this, but it's one of those things that we've been fairly fortunate to not really have a bad team in the state for about 10 years now. Right. Packers have been good. The Brewers have been relevant. The Bucks have been relevant. The Badgers have been relevant, and it's one of those things that with where the Packers are at, and even the Bucks are at a little bit, that you can kind of see a light in a tunnel where it might not be as great coming forward. So just in, like I was talking about with the Bucks, enjoy the championship. They won one, enjoy mm-hmm. it. Have a beer, toast the Bucks, enjoy it. Get some championship here from Fanatics, and just support the team. And like I said, Green Bay, this is. It's the last dance. It could be let's, coming to an end, so enjoy the team. Let's let's call it what it is. I mean, it's been the thing kind of floating around on, on social media. It's not quite the same level as the Jordan Bulls, but really, I mean, it's kind of the last. It could be the last dance. Yep. It could be the last go around with a lot of familiar faces, a lot of fan favorites. Uh, soak it in. And also, like I said, at the same time, kind of look to the future because I'm really excited to see what Jordan Love's got. I'm not going to be at the first day of training camp, obviously, or the second day, but... I will be taking in some practices to see what he's like in person and and what that arm actually is and so yeah but like we were kind of just enjoy the next even the Brewers I mean like Matt was just talking about is how this is a fun special team he didn't one more and I'm I'm kind of I kind of wish I would have pressed him on this but traditionally speaking Brewers teams that have been really good. And, and he kind of said it without saying it, so I'm going to kind of, I hope I don't put too many words in his mouth. You see every team at every level that has a really fun year, that like this, like 2018 Brewers mm-hmm. or, 
or you're seeing a lot with this year, there's always that one spark plug special guy. And another, so you see two things. You see one who's at that special spark plug player. Right now it's Willie Adamas. Christian Yelich isn't quite what, you know, we talked about that pretty at length with him. But Willie Adamas is being that guy right now. Yeah. But the other thing you're seeing, and I think something we talked about that I know I talked about with the Bucks even, is that when you have teams that win championships, and it's, you know, obviously you need that performance from your superstars, but everybody has a moment. Right. And as Matt kind of alluded to, Tyrone Taylor on Friday night hits a grand slam that opens up the game. It was like a 3-1 game or something like that at that point. And he opens it up. It's a 7-1 game. It's done. Or Rowdy Telez hits two home runs on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you point to that. You've seen Luis Urias have moments. You saw, like he said, Billy McKinney, who's on his third team this year, had moments. You know, every you need those guys to have moments that aren't your superstars. Yeah, and, and every team, like I said, every, like 2018, it was, this is a name you're not even going to come close to knowing because I'm amazed that I still remember it. Nate Orff. It, there was a te- there's a trend on social media, free Nate Orff. By whoever they had at second base at that time, I think it was kind of the mixture of Shaw and Hira was struggling, and Hira got hurt or something like that. And, and they finally, after years, called up Nate Orff, who was an undrafted guy out of Baylor, who they decided they were going to, when he initially got drafted, the Brewers offered him like a $1,000 signing bonus. He said, I'd play for a Snickers bar, and they signed him to $500. And that was his signing bonus was five hundred dollars, and and on Fourth of July he gets a curtain call because he hit a his first career home run, and the Brewers fans went nuts, and it was a big home run in the game too. And there's special moments that from guys that you don't hear from again, but you can still point to. Like every guy you could look up and down this roster, every guy's had that moment, just about, and that's an um, earmark of a special team. Well, and like even Matt was kind of talking about how. He's he said specifically, and I don't again. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was talking about along the lines of this is they they have a good of chance as anyone else does. Like mm-hmm. they they can win a World Series. They have a roster that is competitive enough to win. So I mean, it's really a great time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. To, sitting here today, right? Absolutely, coming off a Bucks title. The Brewers are a contender, and the Packers are a contender. The Packers are you said what plus twelve hundred today? Plus fourteen. Plus fourteen, which I think puts them at like the third, fourth best odds betting wise. So we have three title contending teams in a hour and a half radius. I mean that's mm-hmm. I, and like I was saying, that's enjoy the moment because that's not it's not common. Not even in LA, you don't no. see all the teams. I mean, you saw it in Boston for a while, for a little bit. Tampa Bay this last few years with the Lightning and the Buccaneers. And but it's not common. No, and, they're, and even look at the Chicago. I mean, they had the Cubs World Series was 103 years apart. Right. So even with the Bucs championship that just happened, that might be the last one we ever see. years apart, by the way. doesn't matter. They're losers anyways. They are, but... So the... But there's a... Just enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. Soak it in. Just make sure to enjoy the moment because it's not going to be here forever. All right. So with that said, we wrap up the episode. Episode 33 is in the books. Awesome show. All right, thanks again to Matt. Uh, Justin, we miss you. Yeah, come back. Yeah, come back. We can't wait for you to be back. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. We're out. See you. Bye.